0: Today, a Daily Wire exclusive, The Andrew Clavin Show has received an email from President Barack Obama sent from where he is currently living on the right side of history. Here it is in full. Dear people of Earth, I know things have been looking a little bleak for you over there where you are, so I thought you'd like to know that here where I am on the right side of history, things are absolutely great. The sun is shining, the golf never ends, and absolutely everyone is dancing the tango. I wish you could see it. Oh, you did see it. Damn. You know, it's not that I don't feel for you wrongsiders. That's what we call you over here. It's a little right-side-of-history humor. But I wanted to reassure you that even though people there are getting all terroristy and blow y and stuff, here on the right-side of history, we understand that terrorism is not an existential threat. Unless it should happen to end your existence. Then it is. So, watch out. The real problem is that you wrongsiders are still arguing over silly things like ideas, fighting each other over whether you like communism or capitalism, freedom or slavery, right or wrong, life or death. All those may be interesting intellectual arguments, but here, on the right side of history, we just do what works depending on the problem we want to solve. If, for instance, you want prosperity and new technology and medicines and human dignity and things like that, you leave everyone at liberty to use his own initiative and they'll invent things. But if you want free stuff, you just steal all the money from the people who invent things and pay for it, and then everything is free, and no one has any reason to do any work. And it's just like being in France, except without the Sharia law. Well, maybe there is Sharia law, but so what? Sharia, the Constitution, it all depends on the problem you're trying to solve. Like maybe you're trying to figure out how to start a harem. Then Sharia's great. Anyway, I have to get back to the dance floor, but I hope you can make it over to the right side of history soon. Meanwhile, tell your president I said hello. Oh, wait. I'm your president? Damn, you really are screwed. Oh well, ciao. Love Obama. Trigger warning I'm Andrew Clavin, and this is The Andrew Clavin Show. gentlemen, your commander in chief. (laughs) Never mind. mind. Hail to the chief. All right. An encouraging word from our president. I just thought I would share that with you and our ad, which I don't have in front of me. I'm just going to make it up, I think. what What do all our presidential candidates have in common with us, which is that they all need to take Economics 101 from Hillsdale College. Economics 101 from Hillsdale College will set you straight on the real meaning of life. It is all about the Benjamins. All right, it's not all about the Benjamins, but unless you understand the Benjamins, you don't understand what all these political candidates are talking about. So you get a free course that you and our political candidates should take when they go to Hillsdale. Dot edu slash Andrew. That's where you get it, hillsdale.edu slash Andrew. Liberals would learn that the left's government-down economic policy is all wrong for America, and they'll learn why it's all wrong. See, it's one thing to just rant about it, but now you'll know, and they'll also learn your, that the free market is the only thing that will save our economy. Self-proclaimed conservatives will learn why big import tariffs and mass deportations will crumble our economy. So get educated. Get educated, sign up for Hillsdale Colleges Economics 101 for free at hillsdale.edu Andrew. You get a new lesson every week right in your inbox from Hillsdale's professors. And by the way, I'm starting to get letters about this. I hear it is absolutely great. And I will, you know, when I find the time, I will take some of these courses because they sound terrific. And I know Hillsdale is a good college. One of my good friends, John Miller, teaches there, and he says it's really wonderful. And uh, so try it out. Anyway, here's here's what I think. Okay, This is our last show, not only for the week, but it's our last show. I think the whole studio is going to be dark, right? I don't think Shapiro is here either uh, next week. I think they're rebuilding the studio. They're fin- you're finally putting in the chocolate fountains, right? I think, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, about time. And the dancing girls and some chocolate dancing girls. It's going to be terrific. But, but I think it, I have gotten out of the prediction game on this election season. And not because I'm afraid of being wrong, because everybody is occasionally wrong, but because I actually think the election is not conducive to good predictions. I think it is a black swan election. It's very hard to know what's going on. So many surprises, so many things that haven't turned out uh, the way we thought they would or the way things usually do. And how can you predict something if it's not going to be the way it usually is? That's what a prediction is. It's figuring out how things usually go. And if they're not going that way. However, however, I come here today with a sense of things. It's not a prediction, but we pride ourselves. We pride ourselves here on telling you our our sense of things, and also telling you something different than you're hearing from everybody else. Because, and, and by the way, our record is really good. I mean, we have said some things that nobody was talking about for weeks and weeks, and then suddenly they were talking about, and now I'm turning on the TV and hearing them talk about stuff that we were talking about here months ago. So I think, you know, I think it's worth putting forward. And and one of the things is, as, as we've said before, I, people always tease me about not thinking everything is necessarily apocalyptic, right? And I realize that bad news has an evolutionary purpose. I think we have an evolutionary reason for hearing bad news. We're perking up when we hear bad news because the guy who listened to the bad news is the guy who didn't get eaten by the saber-toothed tiger, right? That's the guy, you know, the guy who said, oh, maybe that other tribe is going to come over here and kill us is the guy who got to reproduce while the guy who was smoking up his bong in the cave was like gone. He was eaten. So, but the problem is, the problem is evolution is not always a good guide. In fact, it's sometimes a terrible guide. You know, any, anytime they try to have a, a government based on survival of the fittest, they wind up murdering people en masse. All these philosophies, you know, it's not that I don't believe in evolution. In fact, in fact, there are evangelicals who don't believe, evangelical Christians who don't believe in evolution. And I always say, you know, if you read the Sermon on the Mount, it's the opposite of evolution. It's a guy. It's a guy who obviously knows how things work in nature, in the flesh. But is telling you to do the opposite instead of telling you instead of telling you the, uh, the the survival of the fittest. He's saying the meek inherit the earth. He's saying you know live by the spirit, not by the flesh. So here we're not going to necessarily give you the worst possible scenario. I see the possibility opening up. The possibility opening up that today, this day, three thirty-one, March thirty-first, is a turning point in this election and I think it could be a turning point for the better, okay? Now, so let, let's let's talk about why I see this. Donald Trump stepped in it again yesterday. He made a comment to Chris Matthews now about abortion that kind of caused a firestorm. Now, the worst thing about this is he made Chris Matthews look good, and I was talking about this yesterday. These mainstream media guys have shot their wad protecting Obama, nobody likes them anymore, but now when when they talk to Trump, They look good again. So here's Chris Matthews peppering Trump, as Chris Matthews has a want to do with Democrats, uh, with uh, Republicans. With Democrats, he just asks them, how's the weather, what are you wearing to the convention, you know, that kind of thing. But when he gets a Republican in his sights, he really goes after him. And Matthews goes after Trump on the issue of abortion. So watch and listen to the way Trump responds.
1: Should the woman be punished for having an abortion? Uh, and THIS a, IS NOT SOMETHING YOU CAN DODGE. It's a, IF no, YOU no, SAY it's ABORTION not, IS not, A not. CRIME OR ABORTION IS MURDER, YOU HAVE TO DEAL WITH IT UNDER THE LAW. SHOULD ABORTION BE PUNISHED? WELL, PEOPLE IN CERTAIN PARTS OF THE REPUBLICAN PARTY AND CONSERVATIVE REPUBLICANS WOULD SAY, YES, THEY SHOULD BE PUNISHED. How about you? Uh, I would say that it's a very serious problem, and it's a problem that we have to decide on. Uh, is It's very hard. But you're I mean, for banning it. Are you going to say, well, wait, are you going to say put them in jail? Are you, is that well, the no, punishment you're talking you, about? Well, no, what I'm asking you, because you say you want to ban it. What's I, that mean? I, would, I am against, I am pro-life, yes. What is ban, how do you ban abortion? How do you actually do it? Well, you know, you'll go back to a, a position like they had, where people will perhaps go to illegal places, yeah. but you have to ban it. I'm You ban and they go to somebody who flunked out of medical school. Are you Catholic? Yes, I think I... I And how do you feel about the Catholic Church's position? I accept the teaching authority of my church on moral issues. But do you know their position on abortion? Uh, Yes, I do. And do you concur with that position? I concur with their moral position, but legally, I I get to the question. Here's my problem with it. No, no, but let me ask you, but what do you say about... (laughs) It's not funny. ...your church? Yeah, it's really not a funny thing. What do you say about your church? They're very, very strong. They're allowed, but the churches make their moral judgments, but you running for president of the United States will be chief executive of the United States. States. Do you believe, no, but, in, pu- but do you believe in punishment for abortion, yes or no, as a principle? Uh, the answer is that there has to be some form of punishment. For the woman? Yeah, there has to be some form.
0: Now, incredibly weaselly. first of all, not to come out and just answer the question. Very, very weaselly to sit around and say women are supposed to go to illegal places. You know? and, and the other thing was to put it off on conservatives, because conservatives, people who are anti-abortion, do not believe Almost to a one, they do not believe that women should be punished for having an abortion. That is not at all what people are talking about. Now, the interesting part was where he goes off after Matthews for the Catholic Church. And the only reason that's interesting to me is because, you know, there are abortion is a vexed issue, there are real problems with banning abortion and real problems that it creates in women's lives and real problems with, you know, trying to save these babies from being ripped out of a woman killed, which is what we don't want. That's where we don't want to go. But how do you, how do you do it? it perfectly, perfectly good question. They never ask. They never ask Democrat candidates. Never, ever, ever. They ask Republican candidates about whether you believe in it in the case of rape, whether you believe in it in the case of incest, are you going to punish the woman? All the tough questions get handed to Republicans. As if there were no tough questions about making it legal, they never, ever ask a Democrat candidate, do you believe in aborting a child? Because she's female. Because that's legal now. Do you believe in aborting your child because he has red hair instead of black hair, which you prefer? Because that's legal in America now. Do you believe in aborting a child because it's January and you want the kid's birthday to be in March? Because that's legal now. They never ask. So to the to the press, there are no problems with making abortion legal, right? It should be that should be a game show. Abort your baby, as far as the left is concerned. But but when you say ban it suddenly there are all these issues that come up and there are issues there are issues and trump bobbled the ball okay so trump bobbled the ball everyone took after him including obviously we expect the left to take after him but the pro life people said no this is not what we we want uh, Cruz, I thought, had the best statement of all. He said, once again, Donald Trump has demonstrated that he hasn't seriously thought through the issues and he'll say anything just to get attention on the important issue of the sanctity of life. This is Cruz talking. On the important issue of the sanctity of life, what's far too often neglected is that being pro-life is not simply about the unborn child. It's also about the mother and creating a culture that respects her and embraces life. Of course, we shouldn't be talking about punishing women. We should affirm their dignity and the incredible gift they have to bring life into the world. And that's, that's right in in two ways. I mean, one, we are talking about uh, the the sanctity of life, and that's something, you know, we, we have to get to that place. We have to get to that place. My objection to the Supreme Court is that they took our rights away, the, the, our right to experiment in our own states of what's what works? How do we not persecute women and yet preserve the rights of babies? Who you know, I don't know. It just call me crazy, but I think a baby has a right not to be ripped out of the womb piece by piece. You know, it just seems like, like you know, just simple. If it's just simple politeness, if nothing else, you know, that you don't you don't go around killing helpless people, you know, but. But I do understand. I do understand the poverty, the you know the, the the terrible things that happen. That you get caught in these situations where you're pregnant, and it's a big thing. And in order to make it illegal, you have to deal with that. But the most important thing Cruz said was that Trump obviously hadn't thought about this at all. He had no answer. He went through all his dances, all his songs and dances, attacking the press. You know, t- putting it off on other people, saying it's a, a terrible problem. We have terrible problems in this country. When he had to answer the question, he had nothing, and he did it again at the the other day at Anderson Cooper's uh, town hall when a veteran got up in the audience and asked him, "What are the three most important jobs of the federal government?" So here's Trump trying to answer that question. Listen to this. So in terms of federal government role, you're saying security, but you also say health care and education should be provided well, by those, the federal those government. those
1: are two of the things. Yeah, sure. There are, I mean, there are obviously many things, housing, providing great neighborhoods and Because aren't you uh,
0: against the federal government's involvement in education? Don't you want it to devolve to state? No,
1: I want it to go to state. Yeah, absolutely. I want... So that's right not now, part of what
0: the federal government's well, role is. Oh, the federal
1: government, make. but the concept of the country is, is the concept that we have to have education within the country, and we have to get rid of Common Core, and it should be brought to the state level. And
0: federal health care run by the federal government?
1: Health care. We need health care for our people. We need a good... Obamacare is a disaster. But is that what the federal
0: government should be doing?
1: Uh, The government can lead it, but it should be privately done. It should be privately done. So that health care, in my opinion, we should probably have... uh, We have to have private health care.
0: So the three most important roles of the federal government are security, healthcare and education, and they shouldn't do healthcare and education. Is that did I get that straight? I mean the guy doesn't you know, just just in gen it's like it's like me, you know. I mean I sometimes get a tweet or an email saying, You should run for president and I think, no, I shouldn't, you know. And and you know, it, it is kind of annoying because there's nothing that Donald Trump hasn't said that's supposed to be politically incorrect but is also morally true that I haven't said. Go back and look at all my clavin on the cultures about, you know, the borders, about all, you know, the about Islam and all that stuff. There's nothing Donald Trump has said that's supposed to be so courageous and tell it like it is that I haven't said I shouldn't be president either. Why? Because I wouldn't know how to be president. It's a job. It has a techni- It has a technical thing that you have to do. You go to work. Now, people who say, well, he's not a politician, so he hasn't had time to form his positions. Let me ask you this. When's he going to do that? You know, when's he going to do that? Between November and January? You know, like he's going to think through abortion, something that takes people alive. life. Took me 20 years. 20 years to change my mind about abortion, thinking it through, you know, just letting go of cultural things that have their grips on me. It was hard. It's still hard. It's still hard to talk to my female friends, some of whom have had abortions, you know, and, and say, I think it's wrong. I think it's a mistake. I think it's a sin. You know, it's it's hard to say, and it's hard to turn yourself away. And he's going to think about this between November and January and figure out how we're going to treat the 50% of our c- citizens who might get pregnant and who, you know, might be stuck in some terrible jam, and we have to have sympathy for them and yet preserve the life of that baby? Tough question. Tough question. He's going to solve that between November and January? I don't think so. I don't think so. So here's the thing. I get this sense, and it is just a sense, that the fire of enthusiasm for Trump is burning out. I get the sense that it remains very strong, very powerful with these core people, the kind of people who think it's all right for Corey Lewandowski to rough up a a female reporter. That's maybe 25% of of the electorate. I mean, I think there's a solid group of people who think, you know, who cheer when women get shot in the movies and stuff like that. You know, I think that it's now going to be limited to that. The other day, I saw Laura Ingram and Sean Hannity, both of whom have been in the tank for Trump, in my opinion, and they've been trying to hide it, but they're, they're very strong for it. Suddenly they're talking about, well, Trump and Cruz should get together. Trump and Cruz should get together. You know, and you think like, in, on what planet On what planet is that going to happen? Let me stop for just a moment and talk about our other sponsor, our wonderful sponsor at reaganprivacy.com. Because this is important, too, is protecting your privacy. You want to protect your privacy from all those companies that scan your emails, take information out of your private emails, and use them to filter ads onto your computer. And you also want to get rid of the government, get them out of your Inbox and your outbox, and stop them from uh, picking out personal information and putting it aside so they can scan it later. You take back your privacy by getting an email address at Reagan.com. You get your name at Reagan.com as your private email address. And not only do you get to put President Reagan's name on every email, annoying your liberal friends, but you also get to Guarantee that your emails will never be scanned or shared with third parties. So go to ReaganPrivacy.com right now and secure your personal private email address. If you do it right away, you get two free bonus months. ReaganPrivacy.com. You know, yesterday I tweeted out a quote by Jim uh, Garrity, I believe he pronounces it. Good guy. And he wrote this funny piece about how even Ann Coulter was starting to have cold feet about Donald Trump It's starting to say he's acting mental. And I I tweeted out a quote from the article where he said, Trump supporters, no one, Trump supporters. Uh, he's addressing them, Trump supporters, comma, no one should let you off that bandwagon now. You should be handcuffed to that Titanic. You should have to go down with the ship. And I just want to make sure that it was clear. I did have interchanges with individual tweeters where I would say to them, as far as I'm concerned, I don't agree with that. I do not agree with that. Come back. Come back as you know, you know, there is malice toward none, charity toward all. This has been an incredibly fraught election. Donald Trump for the you know, I'm a New Yorker, so I knew Trump from way back. I knew people who dealt with Trump, I knew people who told me what he was. I was so I was never taken in by that, but I get it. it was it was a breath of fresh air. but now people are catching on. So now, okay, the Wall Street Journal types, and, uh, you know, this word establishment has gotten overused, but it, it's useful. It's vague, but it's useful. It is the people who think that it's all about business. It's all about, uh, you know, class, and basically, you know, we we have this figured out, and the people, we don't have to listen to the people, what they want, kind of the Wall Street Journal editorial page, all right? So Daniel Henninger, who is a good writer and an interesting guy, but kind of represents that point of view, he wrote a column today, basically predicting disaster. It was on the same page as a column with Carl Rove, also predicting disaster. And Henninger writes, Barack Obama will retire a happy man. He is now close to destroying his political enemies, the Republican Party, the American conservative movement, and the public policy legacy of Ronald Reagan. Today, the last man standing amidst the debris of the Republican presidential comp- competition are Donald Trump, a political independent who is using the Republican Party like an Uber car, Ted Cruz, who used the Republican Party as a footstool, and John Kasich, a remnant of the Reagan revolution, who is being told by Republicans to quit. So, in other words, in other words, there's nobody left from the establishment except Kasich, and Kasich is going to lose. And by the establishment, I do not mean Reagan Republicans. They, they hate Cruz. They, these guys hate Cruz. It, you know, they hate Trump because of, of who he is. But they hate Cruz because of what he is. They hate him because so I have been listening now for weeks and weeks to all this anti-Cruz stuff. All this stuff about, you know, Trump and Cruz. We're left with Trump and Cruz, Trump and Cruz. And I think, really, really, Trump, this bad guy, this bad, you know, this guy who deals with mobsters, this guy, and we're gonna compare him to to Cruz, you know? So I, I, let me read you one of my one of my favorite columns. Me, okay. <laughs> I, wrote a, I wrote a column for PJ Media. It's up there now, and it, it it's called "What's Wrong with Ted Cruz." It says, "Am I missing something about Ted Cruz?" the Texas senator seems to me to be the one true conservative left in the presidential race and the most true conservative who was ever in it. Graduated cum laude from Princeton, magna cum laude from Harvard, off the charts brilliant, said his liberal professor Alan Dershowitz, the first Hispanic solicitor general of Texas, authored more than 80 Supreme Court briefs and made more than 40... Oral SCOTUS arguments won important victories on gun rights, the Pledge of Allegiance, the right to display the Ten Commandments, sponsored close to 100 bills during his time in the Senate. That does not sound like Donald Trump to me. That does not sound like the counterpart that, like, Trump and Cruz go together, okay? That sounds like an accomplished conservative politician. I go on to say, I mean, all right, the guy is no oil oil painting, and even I, who love the Lord, heart, soul, and strength, wish he would cool the public piety a little, but really points off for style and all that. But on substance, is there anything not to like about the guy? So the other day, I think it was last night, maybe, Cruz was on Jimmy Kimmel's show. And I thought he did great. I've been noticing that quietly behind the scenes, all this stuff has blasted off the front page, for instance, that Scott Walker the incredibly successful conservative governor of Wisconsin has endorsed him. And the Wisconsin uh, primary is up on Tuesday. Cruz is leading by 10 points. And if he wins, if he wins big time, it's going to be almost impossible for Trump to go. To the convention with the majority of delegates. And, you know, people keep saying, well, if he goes with only 100 too few or only 10 too few, but he may go with just as many as Cruz. Cruz and he may pull into that convention almost tied. In which case, hey, you know, you're such a great deal maker, Mr. Trump. Make a deal. Go ahead. Let's see you make a deal with the the Republican Party. (laughs) I don't think he's going to be able to do it. So Cruz goes on. Play the first cut of Cruz on, on Jimmy Kimmel.
1: Yeah, well, Donald Trump, is he the person you dislike most of anyone in America?
2: Oh, no. Who do you look, like look, better, Obama or Trump? Look, look. I dislike Obama's policies more. I see. Uh but but Donald uh Donald is a unique individual. <laughs> I, I, I will say I was watching the early part of the show, and, and, and if I were in my car and getting ready to reverse and saw Donald in the backup camera, <laughs> I'm not confident which pedal i put. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, you know he did great on the show. He really did. I think he's finding his voice. You know the thing is he, he knows what he is. He talks later on. He says I wanted to be an actor, but I wasn't good looking, and I, you know, and I, I had no talent. I wasn't good looking, and I had no talent. He well he has this other thing. Kimmel starts doing this thing. This is a brief cut where he starts asking him random questions. So listen to this.
1: All right, a few random questions for
2: you. How many of the seven Star Wars movies have you seen? All of them. Favorite cereal. Serial killer or serial killer? <laughs> uh, actually, mueslicks. I like mueslicks. <laughs> now, that surprised you. You were expecting a Captain No, Crunch I was expecting mueslicks.
0: Right?
3: <laughs> <laughs> it surprised me because it didn't
0: surprise me. <laughs> and I love it. Cruz got it immediately. He got the joke immediately. He's very cool about this stuff. You know, he knows who he is. So here, I'm going to continue reading my column just a little bit. I've listened to all the attacks on Cruz, and they worry me. But whenever I do objective, honest research, it seems like there's nothing there. They say he has no friends in the Senate. Well, guess what? He wasn't elected to have friends. He was elected by people who were sick of the Senate, and he was loyal to those people instead of to the collegial cowardice that has brought the Republican Party to the brink of well-deserved extinction. Boy, this guy can write well, does. Oh, it's me. Sorry. They, they say he engineered. They say he engineered a quote-unquote disastrous government shutdown in 2013 in a useless attempt to stop funding for Obamacare. But in the midterm election that followed hard on that, quote, disaster, Republicans won an historic victory, very possibly because voters were encouraged by the sight of a Republican with a full set of testicles instead of an entire room full, passing one among them like the gray sisters with their eye. little <laughs> Greek mythology humor there, folks. All this stuff about poor little Ben Carson in Iowa, nonsense, an honest mistake at best, Hardball politics at worst. And now they're claiming Cruz slept around. Sounds like total garbage to me. And if it's not, shame on him. But with a field that includes Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, if we vote on the basis of sexual probity, we'll wind up with Bernie Sanders in the White House. All right. So so yesterday, two days ago, I think it was, some, some guy from the Daily Mail corners Cruz and asks him the, the one question they know they can ask these guys and start a scandal. Have you ever cheated on your wife? And Carly Fiorina is standing there, and she gets between them and pulls the woman card, and and defend, you know she she lets him hide behind his skirts for a little bit, and the optics are let's say problematical. So play play that cut.
1: Down more definitively this national inquiry piece by telling us on the record that you've never been unfaithful to your wife. But
2: if I may. Tim. No, I'm sorry. I
1: asked the senator that question. Well,
2: I'm gonna great. I'm gonna comment, okay? Do you have
1: first-hand knowledge of his marriage? I'm but gonna
2: no, comment. This is an example of the media playing to Donald Trump's tune. Donald Trump is a serial philanderer by his own admission Mm -hmm. and in a week when we have had a terrorist attack in Brussels, a shooting on Capitol Hill, the President of the United States in the baseball stands with Raul Castro and insisting that he be photographed in front of a portrait of Che Guevara Mm -hmm. with the two Castro brothers, we are talking about a scurrilous, ridiculous piece of the National Enquirer? Why do you all dance to Donald Trump's tune? Let's talk about the issues, please. Well, that's do you fine, too, but Senator, right I'm sorry, this is a question. very
1: serious question about your character. Will you just, question?
2: If, it, if the answer is yes, I've always
1: been faithful in my Sir, so
2: I, I recognize that you love going into the gutter with no, these kinds of. Sir, I'm going to answer go your question. So does Stop your interrupting. Stop interrupting. Thank you. What is your publication, by the
1: The Daily Mail.
2: The, the okay. world's most-
1: They have chased my- They have line, chased
2: my- like chased we my, use the last question yeah. to talk about my granddaughters? Yes. Please Please to, yes. yes. Look, you. I'm going I'm to give a very brief, brief answer to your Thank question, you. which is that the, the National Enquirer story is complete garbage. It is total lies. It was planted by Donald Trump's henchmen, and I don't think the people of Wisconsin or the people of America have any interest in tabloid trash. I'm going to focus on the issues that matter for the American people.
0: Okay. Now I'm I'm like everyone wish he had just said yes I've never cheated on my wife but but here's the thing if if the Inquirer story is true which it, I, now really seems like garbage I think two or three of the women have denied it if if he's going around serially cheating on his wife like Donald Trump or Bill Clinton that you know that's a problem for me because he has played this Christian card so hard that if he's living a life that is completely at odds with that view of the world, then he really is a hypocrite. If on the other hand, he has somewhere in the course of his marriage, you know, in a difficult time, made a bad mistake, then he's just actually living the christian life because he's a sinner like like everybody else and it's so none of my business it is not what that daily mail guy said and i'm not defending him because i support him i would i would come out and just say exactly what i thought i mean look i think if he did it he really it really is a serious moral error but it's not my business it's not my business you know i mean it would it would be my business if he were living completely in contradiction to a christian way of life because he's selling us that Idea, but that he's fallen or made mistakes or made a mistake or something and worked it out with his wife, none of my business. I really do not care. And as I say, if we're dealing with people who are who have sexual probity here, I really, the only guy I would get is Bernie Sanders, and then we're communists because he didn't cheat on his wife. Hooray! You know? I mean, swell. That's great. So let me finish this column because this is what I see. Is a, not is what's going to happen, but a possibility—the good possibility. Of let's, as we're connecting the dots, let's connect the dots to a happy ending and see what that looks like for a minute. All right. The column ends like this. Believe me, I see the electoral difficulties. I don't know if Cruz can win against a Democrat, but in an election season of one surprise after another, with more surprises surely waiting just off stage. Is there anyone who would dare to say he can't win, that it isn't possible if Trump finally makes his supporters sick of themselves, if Hillary gets nailed by the FBI, if Cruz learns to sell his message with a touch of warmth and keeps his Jesus in his pocket a little more? Maybe that's too many miracles to ask, but I will say this. I think if it should shake out like that, if Cruz, by some God-directed turn of events, should win the nomination and then the general, I don't think he would make a good president. I think he would make a great president. It's possible it could happen. And I do feel that we have that today, March 31st, whatever 2016, I do feel today is a turning point of some kind that I do feel that people have seen Donald Trump now and are starting to think again. And hopefully they will think again and turn away and turn to a guy that I not only think is the best choice left standing, but also the best choice. I think he was the best choice from the beginning. And now I think, look, a long, it's a long road. It's a long, hard road, but we could get there. It could happen. You are welcome back to sanity, folks. Do not think that we will turn you away or laugh at you behind your back. We love you. Come back. Come back to conservatism because it, it's the only thing that's going to save this country. All right, I'm off for a week. This is it. Uh, I think Shapiro is off for a week. We're going to redesign the studios. Put in the you know the rockets and the all the stuff. The star. We're going to paint the stars, the constellations on the ceiling. <laughs> If you would like to contact me, my email address is aclavin, and claven is spelled K-L-A-V-A-N, okay, aclavin at dailywire.com. So please write and ask me any question you like, and I'll probably lie about it. Let us end with stuff I like, a little hopeful stuff I like, right? Okay. Here is one of the very few modern pop singers that I actually like, Colby Calais, who is I like her because there's something very feminine and sweet about the way she sings. Here is her, her here she is covering one of my the few Beatles songs that really speaks to me. Here comes the sun, let us hope that it is a prediction of the future. I'm Andrew Claven. This is the Andrew Claven show. We will see you in a week. Keep it all together. Don't lose hope.
3: Say